Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Behind the 90s podcast. I am your gracious and gregarious host, Justin Ladano. It is great to have you here. This is our first episode, the pilot, numero uno, however you want to call it. It's our first podcast ever. I'm very excited to have you here, no matter how you're listening, at home, in the car, on a tractor. I do not know, but we welcome you from all regions of the earth. I want everyone to get in this time machine with me. We're going to go back to a simpler time, folks. We're going to go back to a time before Siri was your best friend. Before NBA players were flopping. Before we even knew what a flop was. We're going to bring it back to when rap was real. With Outkast, Jay-Z, Nas, Tribe Called Quest. No more of these SoundCloud rappers for me, folks. And I got to tell you, I was born in 93. I do consider myself a 90s baby, but there's a lot of music, movies, culture, events, sports that I just don't remember about the 90s. And I want to get back to that. I want to bring in experts to help me understand my past time. It was an awesome time to be alive. I want to learn more, and I hope you do too. And it's going to be all 90s all the time, folks. We've got a different expert guest every single time. Why not pop on over and learn about the things that were so awesome in the 90s? And our first topic will actually be about Pokemon. Pokemon was an extremely popular trading card game in the 90s and still is today. Pokemon started in the late 80s as a Japanese cartoon featured in the Japanese magazine Game Freak. It was created by Satoshi Tahari and Ken Sugimori. The trading card game was originally titled Pocket Monsters. In 1996, Nintendo decided to take the idea digital. They decided to make two Game Boy Pokemon games, Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green. Soon, in 1998, Pokemon as a trading card game hit America and became basically currency to any children in the late 90s. Now, let's get to the interview portion of our show, sit back and relax, and hear from a real live Pokemon master. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Jeffrey Saran, Pokemon master to the Behind the 90s podcast. Here we have an absolute legend in the game. He is on his own Pokemon podcast called Super Rodcast, available on SoundCloud. Feel free to check it out if you got some time. Also, he has done commentary at 10 regional tournaments for Pokemon. This guy's the real deal, folks. All right, he also has the most watched trading card game video on YouTube, number one. Number one on YouTube. Think about that. All right. Also, my amazing cousin, Jeffrey Saran. How you doing today, Jeff? How's it going, cousin? Not too bad, man. Thanks for uh, getting me involved. It's, uh, I'm very excited to be on this. Absolutely. We're great to. We're glad to have you, man. This uh, this '90s podcast. I'm very excited about it. 
And once you start getting to the cartoons and stuff, let me know. That's going to be a fun little discussion, too. Uh, you know, we got some opinions. But, yeah, dude, I'm super excited for you. Oh, you know there's a cartoon episode coming. I, I plan on doing a lot of cartoon episodes. But uh, enough about me. So here we go. How did you first get involved in this community, in this Pokemon tournament world, man? Yeah, so it kind of just, it grew gradually. So um, I'm originally from Florida. Um and when I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, the, I kind of wanted to pick up a hobby that, um, you know, just something for me to do on the side. It was just me and my wife and, you know, having a lot of free time at the time. So I wanted to, you know, pick up a hobby. And previously, I, I played the Pokemon trading card game here and there in, in Orlando. Uh, but when moving to Louisville, I was like, you know, let me try things a little more serious and see where it goes, uh, where it goes from there. Um, found a card shop here, bought some packs, um, started small, you know, and, and kind of just met a lot of people. And from there, the community in this area is, is very big because um, we have a centralized state in Kentucky. So we have we can reach Indiana, we can reach Tennessee, we can reach Ohio. So all those guys and girls kind of knew each other. And that's kind of how it, it I, I grew from there. Um, and that's kind of how the name started to sprout around. So would you say it's it's a pretty big thing over near like the Midwest area? Yeah, definitely. I think Midwest and West is pretty big. Um, honestly, the biggest area, to my knowledge, is New York and Texas. Those are the two biggest play areas um, as far as like a lot of people just gravitate in that New York area. Just just a general com- a good community over there. And Texas, they're big at everything. So <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. I would have never guessed Texas because I cannot picture someone with a 10-gallon hat walking into <laughs> a Pokemon tournament picking up his hat and just throwing down some Bulbasaur's. You, you see some characters at the, at these events and it's, it's baffling the type of people you see and you probably would not expect it. I bet not. And New York, I probably wouldn't have guessed that too. I go to New York a lot. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. New, New York players are, they're, they're definitely like, you know, there are a lot of, you know, fun guys over there. Um, they, they all, you know, stick to themselves. They always come with some interesting brew, what we call it. You know, we have a really fun deck or something, unique idea, idea to tournaments. And we always know they're going to bring something spicy. So uh, not a good group of people over there. That's awesome. Now, I think a lot of my listeners are wondering what a Pokemon tournament really is. If you could take me through just the basics, I, yeah. I need to picture it in my head. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Pokemon right now, as far as like what um, the Pokemon company actually like controls and, you know, uh, sets up is there's four different levels in a tournament. There's a traded card game, which is what I'm more familiar with. Um, okay. That's where my background's in. There's also the video game. Everyone's played the video game. So a lot of your listeners may even have the newest video game. Um, there's also Pokemon Go, which now is a competitive scene. Now that they introduced battling. And then there's also Pokemon. Pokemon being the fighting Pokemon game that's on the Wii and in, in the Switch. Um, so those are kind of like your four main tournaments. Now, how you go about playing those different games, um, video games self-explanatory. Everyone's played a game before. You have your six Pokemon versus your opponent's six Pokemon. And it's first one to knock off the other six. You know, there it is. It gets a little more complicated than that. Um, uh, I think like the main rules are you get to look at your opponent's six Pokemon and decide all right, I want to use these four against him. They're thinking he's going to do a certain strategy. Um, so you do a lot of, you know, trying to little forecasting and trying to see what kind of moves and stuff like that your opponent's going to use and try to give yourself the best option uh, there. And trading card game is very similar. Um, you know, very broad level. Um, similar to the video game, you have six Pokemon you want to knock out. Trading card game, you got six cards you want to take as your knockouts and all similar type basis. So you really want to just 
get the best deck possible to be consistent and you know whatever strategy you have for it hopefully is the best one for the day nice awesome so let's say i'm playing the trading card game i've never actually played an actual match like you know uh like Yu-Gi-Oh. we would duel yeah. all the time but like i've never actually like Pokemon cards I just kind of collected yeah. as a kid, and I wish I saved them. Honestly, uh, it's a big thing right now. I know. I, I, <laughs> I we'll get more into that later. I've got some questions for yeah. you on that. But let's say we were having a Pokemon match. Why can't I just throw down Charizard and say like, "Fuck you, dude"? You know, like how are you going to beat me? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, how Pokemon trading card game works is that um, you know. Every card has a rule and a, a rule to kind of, you know, be able to take it to effect. So a Pokemon, for example, let's start with Charizard. Charizard evolves. You know, you have your base form Charmander, falls on Charmeleon, and Charizard. So you got to start out with Charmander. You can't just throw out Charizard out there. You know, how did he become a Charizard? So you got to have oh. the basics in your deck. You got to have the basics in your deck. And then um, the rules are you can evolve them the following turn you play it. So if you started your turn with Charmander, next turn you can evolve into Charmeleon, so on and so forth. And there's different cards called trainers that can help mitigate that strategy, like a rare candy. You know, to, for some people, rare candy in the game means the Pokemon goes up one level. And the trading card game, that card will let you be a basic and skip into your stage two. So, wow. and it I goes had, more. It goes more. <laughs> that's awesome. I had no idea that there was that much, like, um, that many stages to it. I, I can't believe that. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it goes deeper. Like, you, you know, a lot of people don't realize those those different symbols on a card, the energy requirements are like what you need for that Pokemon to even do that attack. Like, you know, you look at the traditional Charizard has four fire energy for 120. You can't just say, I'm going to do 120. You have to be able to meet the requirements attaching energy to be able to do those attacks. Got it. And I remember the energy cards for sure. Yeah. Everyone got them. They're like, okay, what is this here for? Yeah, right. I like, I, like, I like the shiny cards. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> to be honest, man, yeah, I tried to trade those away. Yeah. Because I wasn't playing the game. I was just collecting them. These look cool. Yeah. I definitely, definitely, I used to just collect, and it oh, wasn't until I really sure. got deeper here that it's, it, it's mind-boggling how big these events were when I first started going to them. And how many people was, like, the biggest event you ever went to? I think Worlds um, 2016, I believe, between all divisions and games, it had it been close to 10,000 maybe. Damn. Yeah, I want to say it was definitely between five and 10,000. I, I want to say like qualifiers for Masters was definitely in the thousands. Um, masters, so just to kind of break it down there, there are different age divisions as well. So if you go to a tournament, you, you know, us as adults, we're not going to play against a six-year-old kid. Um, okay. So they, they break down events. Uh, they break down events into three age groups: juniors, seniors, and then masters. Masters being, I think, like sixteen years old and, and older, and then kind of in between are the other ages. Um, but yeah, I think between all divisions, it, it was up there. Nice. And I know you have experience announcing these events or commentating. Um, that's mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Did you ever partake as a player in these? Yeah, so it, it's kind of like a, a good little timeline of stuff. So as like when I first started playing and, and met everybody, I was just I was a player and I was a pretty dedicated player. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of time, you know, I probably, you know, play, you know, three or four hours a day with, you know, four or five days out of the week just to kind of be ready for the next event uh, for a few seasons. And uh, so I played a fair bit, had some success. Um, you know, a couple uh, day twos, day twos mean you qualify for the, the following day's events being, the, you know, top amount of players. 
um, and a lot of like local and like, you know, city level events, you know, I had a lot of success there. So never got to the podium, unfortunately. Um, I think a couple, if I would have stuck to it and not shifted to commentary, I might have, but, um, but what happened was, um, my buddy Kirk, uh, Kirk Dubay, uh, he, and he's from a little bit north, north of where I'm at, about an hour and a half. And he came down to a local event, um, where in Louisville, where I live at, and we kind of like, you know, got really close, like from right there on, we kind of stayed in contact from there. And then, um, we both had the idea of like, Hey, let's start a podcast. And, uh, so the podcast started, we, uh, we, we started the, this whole little idea of like interviewing top players after their events and, that kind of put us out there as far as what our chemistry and our abilities can do. That's which awesome. Led, which led to the commentary. <laughs> nice. And I, I don't mean to make fun of you here, but I have to make this joke when you were, this is a legitimate question. It's going to sound yeah. like a joke, but this is a legitimate question. <laughs> when you were coming up as a Pokemon player, did you, you said you were like, you know, you were preparing for these matches. Did you have to train? Like, would you go to different gyms? would you like <laughs> so, so, i don't know <laughs> no no it's, it's actually it's actually a really good question you know you can say that you're you're trying to evolve if you really want to make a punny um nice. but uh but no like the the uh, a lot of the stuff was kind of like when you get to this high level playing the traded card game video game or, or in you know any kind of card game in general you you try to forecast what you expect to see at your next event so if you want to break it down okay you know, I'm going to see a lot of the certain Charizard deck. What types of cards can I practice with in my deck to make sure I'm prepared to go to battle against those different decks? So it's a lot of what's called meta forecasting. You're trying to see what the top decks are going to be, what you might see. And uh, you try to set up your deck in a way to be prepared for any of those kinds of instances. You only get 60 cards in your deck. And you have to balance that between your Pokemon, your trainers and energy to make sure it's efficient enough to get you through a tournament successfully. That's so sick. If I was in like third grade right now and we were having this conversation, I would literally, <laughs> I would, I, once I found out this could actually be a profession, I would probably drop out of school. It's, it's, it's a, so I would say for the cool thing about it is for kids that they start out like young, mm-hmm. you know, you, the tournaments now have um, previously used to be scholarship awards only. So if you hit a certain, you know, mark in a tournament, you can get this scholarship money provided from the Pokemon company. So a lot of kids, when they're growing up, you know, they started young and kept that skill level all the way through, they can have their college paid for. And then, you know, and obviously if you have more scholarship in your tuition, you get that money back in your pocket. So it's, it's a lot of kids like, you know, make them living on it. And then you have your adults. Um, a lot of ways they make money off is not only do they get the success from tournaments, you know, high finishes, um, they also have sponsors from different stores. You know, stores would say like, hey, if you finish X tournament wearing my shirt, I'll even throw a couple extra bucks for you, you know, stuff like that. Um, to Even to the degree of what I did, you know, and with Kirk, we had a podcast that makes some extra money. Um, so that was a little bit, you know, we provided a service to the community that provided us some extra funds um some people even write articles on what kind of decks they're going to play at their events it's it's a whole you know marketplace of different things you can do to bring an income for yourself just looking at pokemon cards i cannot wait to go back after this interview and tell my father that i could have had a college scholarship (laughs) from pokemon because one he's not he's not going to believe me but two that is just, that's so fascinating that that's the world we live in. And I'm all about it. I could not be more happy from hearing that. And now it's not so much college scholarship anymore. Now it's just direct cash. So 
you just get the cash on the spot now. And, and, the, and the money is from when, so to the point to where I stopped playing and transitioned to commentary, it's gotten easier to even make money. They, they, they put it on a silver plier to get money. You can get um, like top 64 in a tournament out of, let's say like 500 people, which seems pretty tough, but you get 250 bucks just for doing that. Wow. That's not a hard day. Like that, you, you play above average, you can do that. Yeah, so, I would. I would definitely say that would classify as not a tough day if I made two hundred and fifty dollars from playing Pokemon. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> once again, no offense, but there are definitely some more stressful days that I've had. No, you mean the the the, the tournaments? You know, there are two days typically. If you make it to the second day, and a day one can last from eight o'clock in the morning all the way to nine o'clock at night, or if it's a really big tournament and you know, you know, there's the, the tournament organizers may be struggling to keep up with everything. It can go from eight in the morning to midnight. Wow. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you enjoy the moment, you know, playing the games, seeing all your friends, meeting all these new people. But you know, sometimes you don't make that bank at the end of the day, you're kind of frustrated being there all day. <laughs> yeah, for real, man, that is a long day. And I, I love the information you're giving me on the tournaments. That's fantastic. And you kind of already bought, you, you stole my pun here, Jeffrey. You really did, but you know, yeah. it's okay. I'll probably have you back on the podcast one day soon, but this was my pun. I'm going to say it anyway, because I was excited about it. Like, what do you think about, no pun intended, the evolution of Pokemon into Pokemon Go and kind of the video game aspect? Pokemon Go for a little while, I think it was like five years ago it like when it burst on the scene it was absolutely insane it, it changed the nation in my opinion i like I, I always tell people like the day pokemon go released was the healthiest day that united states of america has ever been so <laughs> I'm, I, it's, it's, it's it's funny to look at that but you think about it you would go out there and i remember me and my wife shannon going and we would just go uh we have this area just like north of us like 20 minutes and it's like this big area that had a whole bunch of pokey stops and mm -hmm. streets were flooded cars couldn't drive through like like it, we were like 30 deep in the road and it's like flooded with people just walking around a nice little loop and that for a solid like three four months and there's still a big community of players that play it like I, i'm still in a group that um a facebook group that i was with and just to kind of follow along to where any big events may happen i'm like you know what i'm not doing anything i might go join up um but but the, the evolution of it has been amazing um you know the i think one of the biggest dreams you know everyone's kind of had in the back of their mind growing up was like imagining themselves being submerged in a pokemon world and like getting to have their own pokemon and you know train them and everything like that and you know this is the closest thing we could you know get right now and it's pretty cool like you can legitimately pull out your camera and you can see a pikachu break dancing on your floor like that's that's <laughs> awesome and, and and what they've done with it since then to even you know be better for you know the, the COVID issue right now they stretched out their range to be able to reach gyms and reach Pokestops so that way you can still play the game from the comfort of your home absolutely yeah it, it's actually a fantastic hobby for COVID I didn't even think about that I've actually never played Pokemon Go I'm definitely going to look into it after this conversation um but like yeah, man. Think, is it all outside? Do you ever have to go in buildings to like, you could, catch you could do either. Um, okay. so, uh, so for example, like, you know, uh, Pokemon go, it has a lot of a, a good way, has a good way about like doing different events to keep the game entertaining. Cause you know, 
you know, I think one of the biggest issues that the game had after its initial release was that it got stale. All it was was just catching your original 151 if all of them were out, and that's all you really could do. And you can, you know, battle people in, in gyms. That's about it. Then they evolved and added, you know, the aspect to be able to catch legendaries and uh, do different events to where you can get um, a specific Pokemon at a higher rate and stuff like that. So those events gravitate people to an area like a mall, and then you just see the whole mall just flooded with people just playing the game because, you know, uh, just a lot, a lot of people got there. It's the most activity and, um, you know, everyone's together to play the game. So it's, it's, uh, you can do it indoors, outdoors. I can, my location right now, I have three gyms within a, a click on my phone that I can just sit down on my bed and just like, all right, I'm gonna go do something right now. Cause I don't have anything to do at work or whatever it might be. So it's, it's definitely very COVID friendly and, um, yeah, it's, it's evolved a whole bunch. Do you remember, now, I might be wrong on this because I'm not, I don't watch the news too much, but I remember this coming on the news. Do you remember when it first, when Pokemon Go first dropped? It was like some, like some people were like being injured. Like it was kind of dangerous at first. I think was a lot it? of it, yeah, it, it was, I think a lot of it was just because there's so many people in the streets that a lot of the people not playing the game were maybe a bit annoyed, but yeah. I don't know, if it, but I don't think anyone got to the, at least not where I was at. I don't think anyone got to the point to where they were harming each other. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people got upset when, um, you know, a lot of Pokemon like spawn sporadically in a game. So, mm-hmm. and no one really knows like when it's going to happen. So someone may be a, you know, faker and go, it's a Charizard and everyone will run over there and there's no Charizard there. So then, you know, someone may have got like a black guy from that or something. I don't know, but i got you man i thought i thought that they were putting these virtual pokemon in like dangerous places yes that okay so yeah so that's what i was getting at yeah so um some were i I, so i don't know how there are tough places to get to and people are really committed to get to them so a lot like a lot of it is it's not antics the people that make the game and i think they use a lot of like different monuments and like you know different places like that to just put up these stops to to get items um some of which were like um cemeteries um you know fire stations to where they may be blocking when a fire station a fire truck might need to leave um some might be a water tower on the highway <laughs> what so, I, I, no yeah, so way any kind of like little landmark from like uh you know water towers police stations hospitals churches you know um people's tombstones somehow even pulled up as stops so i know that's wild so I think a lot of it had to do with people like trespassing on property, you know, hopping fences just to go get their little slight for the day. When you, like that. when you die, would you like your tombstone to be a Pokemon stop? Cause I would. That'd actually be kind of cool. That would be you dope. Know, it'd be cool to do that and have some kind of like, like someone there to like put like a different message on my tombstone each day. Like to kind of like, this is what you learned today. You know? Yeah. If my tombstone becomes a pokey a pokey stop, I think my last wish is going to be, it's gotta be like, could it, could it be my favorite Pokemon or does it have to be in like, like, can you only, only catch water Pokemon near the water? Nah, I mean, they, they try to keep it like, as far as like, as far as like you're talking about in the aspect of Pokemon Go, right? So, uh, Pokemon Go catches Pokemon and it it is area based. So if you're near the water, you'll get more water Pokemon. If it's really sunny outside, more fire types will come out. If it's really rainy or, you know, if it's like a foggy day, more ghost types, whatever it is. Nice. So, ooh, a a ghost type Pokemon at my tombstone, that would make sense. That would would make sense. If you're in a cemetery, there'd probably be more ghost types. So like Gengar, like you could could come up to my my tombstone and be like, oh, I got to catch this Gengar right now. And this Justin Ladano guy, he was pretty cool. 
So, so here's a flip question for you. Oh, if yeah. you had to put one Pokemon on your tombstone, what would it be? Very good question. Um, so I would, now that I know the rules, I would have my tombstone be near the water. So that way I could have Gyarados as yeah. my yeah. my tombstone Pokemon. Um, that's my favorite Pokemon, uh, obviously. You, Respect it. You knew the question was coming. I guess it, it kind of just that's the way the conversation flowed. I got to <laughs> I was going to save I was going to save it till the end, but you got to give me your you got to give me your top three. Top three. OK, top three. good. I'm glad you gave me three. It's, yeah. it's still a loaded question because I, I, I can honestly say like my favorite may switch from day to day. So okay. let's do it this way. Original 151. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah. Original 151 because like one of my favorite Pokemon is actually from a generation four Pokemon. Uh, so original 151, uh, my top three would be RK9. Okay, respect. Dragonite. Double respect. And Mew. Mew. Interesting. I would have not have pegged you for a Mew guy. That's awesome. I, though. I have, uh, from when I was playing the trading card game a lot, I collected um, a lot of these Japanese deck boxes, and I have this Mew deck box that can you know, go anywhere from like 90 to 120 bucks on a given day. So I just kind of let it sit there, and it looks awesome. I love that thing um but yeah my mew mew's music of pokemon that's sick yeah for my for my top three i would probably go gyarados one i would go magmar two magmar big magmar yeah. guy um and then number three ooh, number three is tough maybe well, a lot of good ones yeah i liked Put yourself on the spot. I know, right? I'd probably go. <laughs> I'd probably go. Um, Alakazam. I liked him. That's a that's a very underrated pick. Yeah, Alakazam was. Did you know? Did you see the news about this? Uh, Alakazam got like his card got banned for a little while. So I believe because it was they Kadabra. Could that was it? Kad, yeah, Kadabra got canceled. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think like the person that. I think the person that and I don't know the full story behind it, but I know they got permission again to use the Kadabra on Pokemon cards again. But I think um, Kadabra cannot appear on anything Pokemon related because of the illustrator for that Pokemon. Like, did it give the rights to them or something like that, or they had an oh, issue? That's I think tough. it was something like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know something different. No, what I heard was Kadabra was like it. He was like. Mi- they thought he was misrepresenting like Arab culture or something like that. Huh. Like they thought Kadabra was like racist or something. What? Okay. I need to look into that. Dude, That's an look interesting it up. story. Look it up right now. Maybe I'm wrong. I will fact, I will fact check myself on this, but um, I think they like, I, I don't remember what. Ooh, okay. So I just looked it up. Very interesting to clarify the Kadabra issue. So for the record, Kadabra was banned because he was too much like famous illusionist slash magician at the time, Uri Geller. I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. He's Israeli, but he recently lifted the ban on Kadabra and apologized for his 20-year lawsuit against Pokemon. Wow. If I had a Pokemon that was based on me, I would not file a lawsuit. But, I mean, <laughs> I, wow. I think it's funny. I think it does tie to the little the fact that we brought up earlier was with that uh, 
it cadaver was a printed on a pokemon card either since it's original like like set so it's been those that amount of years that there's actually been a cadaver card too um and you know what it, probably a lot of it has to do is when pokemon was first announced maybe when his first issues brought up pokemon wasn't big right away like it was big but you know no one was gonna sue anybody over it you know so it, it, that could have been the things like nah don't use me you know i don't get my own money this is my stuff and <laughs> eventually ended up being a big thing he's kind of like well i'm kind of cool now i could look like a pokemon <laughs> yeah so apparently when i was reading through this it says that his main trick the illusionist was to bend spoons with his mind oh, and that's because funny. cadabra in the picture is holding the bending spoon that is apparently where the main uh you know controversy lies very interesting stuff. I wonder if you look up Kadabra and you see like its text and like origin and see if it's like Pokemon actually confirmed this is based off of that illusionist or if they kind of work around that, you know? Yeah, that would be very interesting. I, I feel like they couldn't come out and say that because then they would lose the lawsuit or I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, it looks like from what I've read that the lawsuit never really developed. But anyway, just a fun little fact for yeah. our listeners. I bet I bet a lot of people didn't know that. Okay, moving on. We have to touch on this. What do you think about this incredible resale value from this little trading card game in the 90s to now? We are seeing some of these original Pokemon cards be worth mega bucks. It's, it's absolutely insane right now how much is kind of boomed out of nowhere um i think uh a lot of it has to do with you know COVID. honestly uh in my opinion i think because COVID has kind of sat people at home and kept them kind of to themselves and you know some people have lost jobs a lot of people had to pick up new new hobbies new trades so a lot of people got into reselling cards and i think what kind of you know catapulted it was a lot of youtubers and celebrities buying these cards and say hey you know i got these cards i couldn't get before and that once you post that out as a celebrity that value is going to shoot up in price so your card like charizard that could go for hundreds of thousands of dollars now um is just absolutely insane so you can so what, what's funny right now is um there's actually a, a a recent set of pokemon that has a charizard in it and everywhere you go, if you go to look at Target, Walmart, your game stores, all of them are sold out of this product because everyone's trying to get a Charizard and resell it. So you're saying that recently Pokemon put out new packs and like this special pack might have a Charizard in it. And that's why they're going off the shelves nowadays. So it, it kind of goes to this trend. So what's been going on is like a lot of you know celebrities, YouTubers have been kind of, and this is kind of what I've copped on trend, not saying it's factual. Um, but you know, celebrities and YouTubers have kind of been posting that they've been buying a lot of the old Charizard cards. And Charizard is traditionally, you know, re regardless if it's the original one or a brand new one that was made, it's gonna make money because it's Charizard. That's just what it is. It's like you know. Um, so it, so what kind of happens is with Pokemon, um, each you know each you know couple months they print out new cards to kind of keep the game fresh. Um, and the most recent release of these new cards has a Charizard in the set. So a lot of people, when this first set came out, they just swarmed the sell shelves at every store. And even some like your, your personal gaming stores, like your little, your, your, uh, where you go to play, like, you know, your board games and card games, they've upped the price in those packs to get more money out of them. Cause they know people are going to buy them. 
So people are just flooding the stores, you know, hoarding on Ebay's, uh, you know, price gouging on Ebay, all the different things just because of the Charizard effect. And, you know, there's actually one collector, I forgot his name, but he has like eight PS PSA 10 Charizard first editions that, that like, you know, those itself are like worth a million dollars. Back back when the cards said pocket monsters on them? Uh, those didn't, yeah, I think maybe it did. I have to look, but yeah, I think some of those did. Yeah. I know almost any, almost any cards with the pocket monsters logo on the back is like big time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly insane. Like, you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't gravitate towards it when that, you know, this whole resale thing started with Pokemon cards, but just seeing, you know, a lot of people gravitate towards the community was kind of cool because of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, logic, the rapper, just bought a Charizard for $183,000. I mean, and it might is... have been that like a PSA 10, you know, yeah, for those for who real. don't know, um, mm-hmm. you can go and send your cards to get graded on the condition of the card. And if it's per- perfect condition, you can get a 10. It's on a scale of one to 10. And obviously if it is a 10, the more money you get. Um, and there's, and yeah, so he, if you're spending that much money on a Charizard, it's probably a PSA 10. If you would have told me that in third grade I could have that much money based on my card collection, I would have said that you're crazy. I would have completely laughed you out of the room. I think anyone would have, honestly. Any 90s kid would have been like, ah, no, these aren't going to be worth anything. There's hundreds of them. It's so insane because like it's not even just Pokemon cards. Like Anything from that era, like old sports cards, baseball cards, everything is just it's just a wave right now. And you wonder if it's something that's going to stick or if it's going to end up plummeting back to where it is. I don't know. I can't, I can't give a guess on that, but and it's, then it's really weird. These people, they turn on the behind the nineties podcast and they <laughs> see I'm talking about it. Boom. The, the value just skyrockets even more. Just went up a little bit more. You that's gotta, it. You gotta, gotta kind of follow it. Boom. I'm moving the line. I'm moving the markets. Get your Charizards now before they go up again. That's it. <laughs> All right, last last topic for this little section here. Game Boy. Well, now, I'm going to do a whole episode on Game Boy. Make sure you tune in, folks. You're not going to want to miss it. But for this episode, I cannot, I cannot pass by how awesome the Pokemon games were for Game Boy. Jeff, I know you were into them. Let's just take our viewers back. Let's just talk about how awesome that was. There's a lot of good games back in that Game Boy era. I mean, you can you can you could go right back. Obviously, the original Pokemon games, Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. Um, you also have the Legend of Zelda games that were on the, those as well. Those were that that kind of style of game, like puzzle slash fighting and one little handheld device. You know, I remember having to plug in the little gummy light into it and like you know try to uh, you know be under your your uh, your your blanket so that your parents don't know you're playing the game. You know, or uh, if you don't have the light, you know, trying to play the game between street lights, they flash by when you're playing the game at nighttime. You know, it's the that was such a that was such a wave. I think I had the purple one for the Game Boy Color, but I had to go even like you know remember I had the big brick one, the big gray one, and then the purple one. I think is the color I ended up getting before you know we got the Game Boy Advance and so on and so forth. This was a big controversy in fourth grade. I don't know how I remember this. But big question, kind of kind of told everyone what kind of guy or what kind of girl you were. 
Pokemon Sapphire or Ruby? What are you What are you going with? I, you know what? I'll, I'll start with Sapphire, but I can honestly tell you every single game that I gravitated towards because I played all of them. So you got red and blue. I picked blue. Got it. Um, then you had gold and silver, intently crystal, but I picked gold. Um, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. I picked Sapphire. Um, then I think next is Gen 4, so Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. I picked Diamond. Um, Gen 5 was Black and White. Yes, I know all of them. Um, and then Black and White 2, and I picked Black. Um, Gen 6 was X and Y. I picked X. And at this time, my little brother is playing the game as well, so we'd always get the opposite game to keep up with each other. Um, let's see, that was 7. I think 8 was the remakes of Ruby and Sapphire. Um, Omega, Ruby, and Alpha, Sapphire. Uh, I feel like no, then there's also the remakes of Gold and Silver too. Yep, I'm already jumbled. So many games. Um, go a little further to Sun and Moon. I picked Moon. And my little brother picked Sun. And then we go to the newest game now, Sword and Shield. And I picked Shield. My little brother picked Sword. And you know what? I may have missed some games in there. Maybe not. I don't know. I feel good about it. I didn't play the Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. It was just a remake of stuff. But dude, but yeah. that that was like listening to Einstein solve an equation. I am absolutely <laughs> blown away. I did not even I didn't even know all of those. I just played Sapphire. I loved Sapphire. I think I played Gold too. I think those yeah. were the two ones I had before. Um, I just I, I I went to different games. But yeah, wow, you definitely know your stuff. That's why we've got you as our expert guest. <laughs> you you crushed it man i think i think we got all that all that we needed and um oh one last question actually so a little bit more into you jeffrey you are a new father now right yeah and how old is your daughter she is two gonna be three here in a few months wow okay final question how has pokemon prepared you for fatherhood that is a great question um for me personally i wouldn't say so much the show or anything like that impacted me at all really as far as preparing for fatherhood however i will say the people that i have met in the pokemon community you know going to different events and stuff like that has both has prepared me for what i would like to be as a father and what i don't want to be as a father um you know you have a lot of those parents that are very pressuring on their kid as far as like pushing their success like that and like really beating down on it then you have like other parents that kind of like let them make their own decisions and stuff but you know, the cool thing about this whole thing is like, you know, I got to see both ends and like different parenting perspectives growing up and not to say I'm going to put my daughter in a trading card game. I'm going to let her do what she, whatever she wants because that's what I believe in. But, you know, that was one thing I learned on top of my buddy Kirk also had a daughter recently. So we're kind of growing together through this as well. So, you know, ultimately it was just, I got to see a lot of different perspectives on parenthood, you know, not only how I grew up and others grew up, but got to see how different parents handle their kids growing up and everyone's different. And I kind of, I kind of like what I got going on here and, you know, I think she's, I think she's going to turn out awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Wow. I was not expecting that great of an answer. Wow. That was, you, you took that deep and I love it. I, fantastic. She's my, she's my world. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what she'll, she'll do for the world. So. Absolutely. All right, sir. I thank you so much for being on the behind the nineties podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Saran, always crushing it. Always got that heat on him like Charizard. <laughs> thank you very much, Jeffrey, and you have a great day, sir. Take it easy, cuzzo. Yep, thank you, sir. 
Thank you for listening to our first podcast ever. If you liked us, follow us on social media at Behind the 90s. Thank you so much again, and I can't wait to see you next time.